disclaimer. In the event it needed to be said, this is not the full movie of Dragon Quest Your Story. For that, you will need to head over to Netflix. Bum a friend's account if you need to. It's fine and illegal, and we won't tell. This episode contains content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode also contains heavy-duty spoilers for the ending of Dragon Quest Your Story, as we delve into the ultimate thesis of the film. This happens in the latter half of the episode. There's a lot of fun stuff before that, but it is highly recommended that you watch the film before listening to this. And as always, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual participants, and may not reflect the views of the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Please enjoy tonight's episode. Hello, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Dub Talk Summer at the Movies Season 4. Can you believe that we have been doing this? This is our fourth year. Like, this is nuts. It's pretty um, nuts. In yeah. any case, um, in any case, I am Roots of Justice, and joining me today is Andrew. Please, please, we're going on a quest. Know me as my distinguished moniker. The classy Spartan. Anyway, um... Hey, that's a good adventurer name. Come on. (laughs) Why you gotta be like that? (laughs) Alright. Um... Today we are covering the... Shall we say infamous... Robot and Shiragumi Inc. film. Released on Netflix earlier this year. Dragon Quest, your story. It's not their story, it's your story. It's our story. It is our story to tell you, dear viewers and listeners. And it is our story to tell you about their story. Mm. And then it's your story to listen to our story telling you about their story. Wait, but if it's your story... And it's their story, but where story is our story, then who the hell is writing this synopsis? Wait, if you're here, and and I'm here, and and the audience is behind us, who's driving the bus? Da, da, da! Actually, Ah! actually, wait, no. It wouldn't be a bus in this scenario. There are no... uh, there are no okay. I was gonna say there's no there's no technology in this world, but that's not a hundred percent true. Uh, no, I was gonna say no. There's no buses here. Would it be a cart or would it be a ship or no? Wait, no. You'd fly either a dragon or a behemoth. <laughs> behemoth. <laughs> Silly. Uh, uh. Anyway, I have a very brief plot description here from Netflix. Uh, Luca falls in his father's footsteps to rescue his mother from the evil Ladia. Finding the heavenly hero who wields the Zenithian sword is his only hope. And that's, that's it. a very brief. That's a, plot. that's a very brief but firm yet fair 
uh, plot synopsis for what this movie is, though. And that's all the film is about. Yeah, for for the most part, it's pretty much just. I I believe it is a straight retelling of the story of. It's Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Okay. Dragon Quest. And it is just an adaptation of Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Yes. It is. Nothing more. It is just Dragon Quest V. Just Dragon Quest V. The Super Famicom game from the 90s. I. I. That is. Yeah. That has been ported to basically everything. Under the sun, you could probably play it on an ATM at this point. It's basically Doom. I mean, it, it's all, I'll say this. It's the kind of thing where... I'm. There's a lot of different Dragon Quest games out there. I'm, I'm particularly curious why they decided to opt for 5 for this particular film adaptation. I'm guessing it was... Maybe it was an anniversary of the game, or... Maybe the people doing it just really like Dragon Quest V. I'm, I'm honestly assuming the latter. I, that's kind of what I'm assuming, too. Yeah, because there's Dragon Quest V, for those who do not know, is a very cult classic uh, Japanese RPG from Square Enix, character designs by the famous Akira Toriyama. It's, it may not have like a huge presence here, but it's been growing in due time. It's humongous in Japan. This series is humongous in Japan. Holy crap. Yeah, it is definitely very good and very popular. Just don't tell the Smash Brothers fans. Oh, God. In North America. Oh, God. Watching people be so bad. What's this hero guy? He doesn't matter. He's not important. It's like, oh, my God, you fucking fools. You goddamn you fools. Got... You people got fucking Banjo-Kazooie. Not... A half an hour later. Exactly. Like, who the fuck cares? Shut the fuck up. Besides, this is totally the closest you're gonna get to getting Goku in Smash. It's straight up Toriyama. This is the best you're gonna get. Like, fuck you, Dragon Quest and Smash. There we That's go. That's the spirit. I was waiting for that. You know what? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, we've been rambling on long enough. Um, this obviously is an anime film and anime films that we talk about here have dubs dubs have staff do they who work on them. i just thought it was all pure magic and black magic and chris splooshing and chris splashing and all you sploosh it all enough to get a good dub i thought that's how it worked eh, it's mainly just people talking into microphones and other people on computers sounds about right who are the people behind this one actually i'm curious um, so, other than, you know, casting and engineering and all the behind-the-scenes work that gets done for anime dubs, um, today we only have one real person to talk about in terms of both the voice direction and ADR script, and that is a man by the name of Michael Schneider. Hmm, okay, interesting. What's he, what's um, he done? And, of course, this dub is being done at, um, NYAV Post... Um, you would know Michael Schneider's work mainly from his engineering, which he's actually done a surprising amount of engineering for Funimation does. Really? I actually didn't know that. Okay, so he did some, uh, like, little 
episode to episode engineering gigs for stuff like uh, Tokyo Gory, Slime Time, Radiant. Hmm. I'm guessing maybe there's just some actors from the New York area that he was helping record with. I'm assuming as such as well. Um, but you would also know his direction and scriptwriting work from things like uh, Makuya, Mirai, Okozin, uh, and Promare, which you'll actually be hearing us talk about that a little later. It's foreshadowing. But yeah. Um, so, Andrew, what did you think about the the overall feel of the dub? I will say, for the most part, the dub sounds pretty good. Dub sounds pretty good. You've got a nice amount of, like, regular... You've got a nice amount of industry veterans, people that are a little fresher-faced, some people who do, like, video game voice work that don't typically pop up in anime. NYAV Post is pretty good about getting a nice, uh, distinct, unique cast from all over the U.S. of A. and then some, because you've got people from New York, you got people from California. Sometimes you get people from Texas. I don't think there's any Texas people in this one, but yeah. No, I'll say for the most part, you got a pretty good cast. Like, some people sound, like, pretty good. There's a one or two that I thought were especially impressive in hindsight. And the lead is definitely a very... The lead is somebody I don't get to hear in too many anime anymore, so it's nice to see him in a leading role. I will say the script adaptation is pretty good, too. Everybody sa This sounds like a dub that's in a fantasy, somewhat video gamey world. You've got some bits of campy dialogue, some callbacks. It works pretty good for the most part. Nothing was really too distracting for me. Except in one particular area. Alright, so let's talk about that the fact that this is a CG, this is a computer-generated animated feature film. This is a gorgeous animated CG film. Like, goddamn, <laughs> this movie is a fucking looker and a half. It's stupendous. There's all sorts of great hair texturing. You've got all sorts of great scenery, character designs. You've got very... Very expressive character motions and movements, too. Here's where it gets a little tricky, especially when it comes for the uh, dubbing aspect. When you get close-up scenes of characters with really, really expressive mouth movements, and you also need to time them to specific, like, dubbing dialogue cues... Some of the delivery for, like, those very close-up lip flaps can feel a little rushed and looks a little awkward. Like, it's not terrible. I think this bothered, uh, because I was watching this with my girlfriend Stephanie, a.k.a. Lilac. Um, I was watching it with her. I think it bothered her more than it did me, but there was a couple of times I noticed, like, during the very close-up, like, show older over the shoulder reactions of people talking i was like okay yeah i see it there, you've got a little expressive mouth movements that don't always look right because you're trying to match very specific mouth motions for for like regular animation it's pretty easy because it's just basically an open and closed mouth you can kind of do with it whatever but in this one, it seems like they had a little bit of trouble syncing that up. At least from the onset of watching it on Netflix. 
That was my only real qualm with it. Everybody in the dub and the ensemble sounds pretty goddamn good. There's a couple of standout performances in particular, and it's a very enjoyable dub all around. This was also just a very fun and enjoyable movie to watch, which had a little surprises throughout. All in all, this was kind of one I did on a blind a blind whim because you wanted to watch it with me for Summer at the Movies. I'm glad I got to watch it with you to talk about it because I have things to say. Boy, do I have things to say. But yeah, I think we all have things to say. For sure. But all in all, uh, Michael Snyder did a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, I actually largely have to agree. The, um, the script writing was very... It was very punchy. And it actually... In particular with one specific character that we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Um, but broadly is... Not quite the same level broadly, but with, again, one character in particular. Um, it very much felt like... It felt like an 80s cartoon. You know what? Uh, the way that their dialogue was written. I could see that. This does feel like a... It feels like one of the good 80s cartoons. Like, it doesn't feel quite as cheesy, but I definitely... I, I can definitely see what you mean. There's definitely a little bit of that tongue-in-cheekness in the script. Oh no, it was very cheesy, but the, the good kind of cheese. The kind that, like... When you tear it off a slice of pizza, it trails a little bit, but doesn't hang on too long. There we go. That's a good descriptor. I mean, it's 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 um, a New York AV dub. You might as well talk about good New York pizza. Don't come at me with that Chicago deep dish shit. Hey, I mean, Chicago deep dish is good, but it's just not pizza. It's a it's like a cake or a. It pie. is a meat pie. <laughs> It is very much a meat pie. Uh, my my favorite clip of The Daily Show is still when uh, Jon Stewart was talking shit about Chicago deep dish pizza. And especially, especially <laughs> complaining about a certain somebody eating pizza with a fork. That's mwah, a classic. All right, Dragon Quest. Um, yeah. Uh, again, di the dialogue is very punchy. It it is very reactionary. Um, you know, big reveals are dropped left and right, and you just... You just get, you know, a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, and it sounds really good. Um, one thing on the engineering side, though, I do have a gripe about, but that is attached to a very specific character. Mm -hmm. And even then, it's... Like, it's just a little bit of a nitpick. Um, in terms of direction, um, you know, I hadn't actually heard much about Michael Schneider before we sat down to do research on this episode. So, like, he feels like a pretty fresh face coming from the engineering side, from the sound of it. And I, I happen to really like dubs directed by directors who have come from the the technical side of dub production uh they definitely have a sort of i want to say they have a a crisper feeling to them 
Like, they have... I don't want to make broad generalizations, but it seems like the the directors who come from sort of an engineering and audio production background um, seem to have a firmer idea of the kind of voices they want their characters to have. Mm. Um, whereas I would say somebody who would co who comes from an acting background, uh, at least in personal opinion. Um, Feels a little more of a free jam kind of situation, which I happen to really enjoy as well. Actual back and forth between director and actor to actually find a middle ground to, yeah. No, I got you. What, I got you what you mean. It's the idea of coming from the background of working behind the scenes and having a good idea of what you want for direction. I think I've heard one or two of Michael's dubs before, and I was super impressed with both of them. So, I... Yeah, no. Dragon Quest was a very good dub to listen to. Sometimes it's some nitpicks with watching said dub in regards to, like, extensive flapping, but honestly, that's more of a nitpick in hindsight. Yeah, I, I will admit the, the lip flap kind of thing is a little odd as well. Um, but then again... Um, I'm also the person who hosted the, uh, the Shin Godzilla OVA a couple years back, so I also had some pretty firm things to say about the idea of lip flaps in live-action dubs. No, that's fair. I mean, you're not gonna, it's not gonna ever be one-to-one. It's one. never a perfect and... science, which, having learned about the Japanese voiceover industry, sometimes they don't even give a shit about matching the flaps. Right. Um, it, it's just one thing that if you're watching this dub, it is something to be aware of. The mouths do not match the dialogue. It's it's not a deal breaker. It just is what it's it not is. a deal breaker, but it sometimes can be a little jarring if you're like kind of zoning into it and you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, so overall, on the technical side, um, this is a very polished, high quality dub. Um, kind of the thing I would expect to come out of a a Netflix production where they are like they are really insistent on across the board all the languages that they record dubs in just being consistent, high quality, and get the gets the job done. Mm -hmm. And this very much does so. Yeah, it is. Um, so for our first batch of characters, um, we have our hero Luca's mother and father, uh, Pankraz and Mata. Uh, Pankraz is a warrior who has been tasked with the idea of putting an end to Ladia's attempt to summon Nimzo. A lot of, a lot of big fantasy names, localized fantasy names that I'm throwing around mm -hmm. here. But he ends up getting killed in the line of duty, and Luca has to take up his... Legacy. His mission. His legacy, yeah. Yeah, his mission and his legacy. Um, Mada is, in fact, still alive throughout the course of the movie. Um, she is kidnapped shortly after Luca's birth. Um, she has access to an ancient spell that will allow Ladia to summon uh, Nimzo into this world... And, of course, that's got to be stopped. So, 
throughout the course of the movie, Mata has put herself into a state of sleep and it, set up a barrier around herself so that Vladia can't get access to her. She, but he's still kind. She's in the timeout time zone. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Ladia has her physically on his island, so she has to be rescued. And then also we have. I was gonna uh, say. I was gonna say. Like you're forgetting the best boy. No, I would never forget best boy. Um, Sancho, who is Pankraz's. Uh, I guess I would say he was, uh, he, he seems to me like his squire. I was going to say either like a, what would it be? Is it squire or, I was going to say page? Are they basically the same? What is, is there a difference between page and squire? Ooh, I don't know. I've... Uh, but yeah, sort of a squire or a page. He, he basically holds Pankraz's weapons, cooks, cleans, basically the maid. He's, he's the pack mule, but a good one. <laughs> He, he he's the guy from he's the guy from Monty Python that is walking around with the coconuts. That's Sancho. There we That's go. Sancho. Sancho's the guy with the coconuts. I love. But that. he's also a good boy. He's also a very good boy. He's a, he's a very good boy. He's he's loyal to Pancras and then later Luca, um, basically raising Luca and Luca's son. Alice, when he's born... Dude, dude raised, like, three generations. Good for him. He needs more respect. <laughs> Hashtag respect for Luca. Mm. Right, I'm respect for Sancho! Hashtag respect for Sancho! Sorry, I got mixed up. No, it's fair. But yeah, no. Sancho's a hero. He especially comes in at the end where he just basically is like, Hey, yo, help your buddy out with the final rush, okay? Okay. Yeah, so, in any case, um, Pankraz is played by Parker Simmons, uh, Mata by Sissy Jones, and Sancho by Sean Conde. Now, there isn't a lot of particular anime background here. Um, I think closest in this category is Sean Conde, who I believe has done some roles here and there in uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Hmm. Uh, but you would know Parker Simmons from his work in uh, in the Cartoon Network series Mau Mau as a titular character. I think he's also the creator of that cartoon, too. Really? I need to double check, but it's coming to me now. Hang on, I'm gonna look up this up. Mau Mau Heroes appears. Yeah, that... Is... Oh, if that's true, that's really From creator cool. Parker Simmons! Holy shit. Okay. We we got a motherfucker situation here. He created Mau Mau and he also plays Mau Mau. That's awesome. That's that's great. I did not know that, and that is really cool. I, I thought like, wait, he's on Mau Mau, but I'm like, wait, why have I heard that name before? Yes, he's he made the show! He's the creator of the show. That's awesome. <laughs> that rules. Um uh, Mata is played by Sissy Jones. Um, she does actually have at least one anime role to her, to her name, um, uh, as Kaguya. I, I, I'm gonna let you try to pronounce uh, Kaguya's last name. Go for it. Kaguya Otsusuki. I actually think, I, in Naruto I actually think you got pretty close there. Yeah, she, she's Kaguya, who, 
Depending how much you like Naruto, you might have some complicated feelings on that character. Alright, so, Andrew, what did you think about Luca's family? Uh, I'll start off with Mata, because of the characters in this film, she doesn't have the most to do. She talks to, uh, I think, Ladia and Bianca telepathically once or twice before she croaks. Uh, she does a good job staying in stasis. I think she has a very nice, like, pater like paternal, motherly tone of voice to her. I think she does a pretty good job. I don't really have much else to say from there. Pankras, uh, Parker Simmons, which, man, doing research for this and finding out that was fucking Mau Mau blew my goddamn mind. It's even better realizing, okay, he made Mau Mau. That's a great show. Uh, that is a really underrated show. Seriously, check it out. Um, no, Parker Simmons, he does a really good job sounding like this very gruff, supportive, like, tough dad man. Like, he's also got a pretty cool design, and it's just... He's in the movie for a short while, but he does a very good job. I like his chemistry with uh, Baby Luca and Sancho. He's very cool in the line of duty. He's very... Like, he's just got a very cool, gruff tone of voice. That's very surprising and like, ooh, this dude's a badass. I'd watch this dude fight. He also... Okay, I'll say this just because... I think the, the scene where he is killed by Ladia is a very good dramatic scene when you first see it. When you first see it, it's like, Luca, please. And then he gets hit by a fireball and basically like screams his lungs out before telling him, your mother is still alive. You must find her. I think that's a very good, pretty good like emotional scene. I thought it was like a little old, a little dramatic, like a little over dramatic, but it wasn't too bad. I think the only time I thought it was weird was when uh, Luca's kind of like having a nightmare and he's remembering his dad's death and there's no background sound to it too. It's just like, there's no music, there's no sound effect on the fire. It's just Luca. You have to. <gasps> I'm like, okay, that just sounds weird. That's, that's like, that's like before you finish the final product and you hear what it sounds like. I'm like, why didn't we hear it like that? That's weird. I just thought that was very odd. I was like, okay. But that that was like... I think that was just the case with the movie. I was just like, oh, that's weird. But yeah, no, Parker Simmons does a pretty great job as Pancras. We don't see him too much, but he makes a pretty decent impression. Sancho, uh, Sean Condy. I have not heard him before, but he has this great, charming, sweet tone of voice to him. Where he's just very supportive. He's a good bro. I love watching this dude do his best to get around. He makes good food. He's also pretty spry for his size. Like, he gets around. He's got a good workout for him. He's watching after, like, all these kids, all these animals. He's getting around. Sean's got this very nice, sweet, supportive voice. He's, he's got a very good scribe voice, but he's also... He's a little goofy without being, like, too obnoxiously cartoonish, is, I guess, how I would describe it. He's also, like, he's a bit of a portly guy, but they don't really give him, like, a big portly tone of voice. He's just, he's just Sancho. He's just kind of a, he's a little goofy character, but he's very sweet and supportive, and he's best boy. And, yes, I would totally watch him with, uh, coconuts carrying stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to hear Sean and more things. He made a pretty good impression on me. I liked him. Okay, um, 
Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the idea that NYAV Pose got the guy who created Mau Mau to come and play a relatively minor but important to the overall story character is it, it's really cool. It's um, so as I had mentioned um, as we were bringing that fact up, um, NYAV Post actually did this once before, as far as I know. Um, in the dub of Motherfuckers, MFK. Watch your fucking language, um, Roots. Watch your fucking language. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quarter in the swear mm -hmm. jar. Um, they actually got the creator of, I believe, the film The Book of Life. Um, I, I, I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh. and he also did a show for Nickelodeon. Um, but they got him to do a voice of a, uh, of a luchador named El Tigre. Who basically has a tiger head. Uh, Jorge Gutierrez? Jorge Gutierrez, thank you. Okay, I got you. Um, anyway. Really cool to see, like... Western cartoon creators get roles in anime dubs. I mean, at this point, like that's that's really at this badass. point, the current generation of cartoon creators are basically the huge weaves they were raised on anyway. So it actually makes a lot more sense when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it it absolutely does make sense. It's just really cool. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I want to see more of it. Like, if I could one day see like Pendleton Ward in a like one of those. Big, we're submitting to this to the Academy anime films. Like, I, I would be really happy. Yo, I'm all for that. Get, like, uh, Ian... Qu or J.G. Quintel. Ian or... Jones Quarterly, Rebecca Sugar. Let's get let's get all the weeb creators in on this shit. Let's do it. <laughs> Thor up Van Orman. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, and... and Unfortunately, both Pancras and uh, and Mata don't really get a lot to say. But I think Parker Simmons and Sissy Jones did a really good job with what they had to work with. I mainly just wanted to include them in the episode because, as little as they say, both characters have a very big presence in the film. Uh, Sean Condi and Sancho. Like, he's just this... Lovable, emotional, lovable doof. Like, that is the best description I can think of him. Just the lovable doof. This dude. dude will show up to your graduation and will cry harder than you've ever seen anyone cry in your entire life with the giant Ghibli tears just because they're so proud of you. That's who Shancho is. Like... You, you look to your left, your parents are proud of you. They're, you they got a little tear in their eye. Look a little bit to the right. You see Sancho. He's just bawling his eyes out. And he's sitting in front of a cake he made for you. Like, congratulations for graduating. Just this big three-tier cake. And he's crying in front of it. Because he made it. Because he's proud Bless of you. his heart. Um, he's very... He's very doting and fatherly, especially later on in the film when Alice is born. Um, I just love the performance so much. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's just so good. It fits the character design so well. Like, it is probably... 
other than one other performance we'll be talking about toward the end of the episode, I think it's one of the one of the most perfect castings of the mm. film. Alrighty. Uh, so next up, we have sort of Luca's primary supporters for his quest with the Zenithian blade and finding its true heir. And basically doing support stuff. They're good support. Uh, we have... <laughs> uh, we have Dr. Aegon, <laughs> who... <laughs> I did not actually real. Okay, when I was first watching this movie, it did actually hit me that his name was Dr. Dr. Agon. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's a doctor dude. He's got a thing going on. Until I was talking to people after the fact, they're like, isn't there a guy in that movie named Dr. Agon? I'm like, wait, is his name actually. His name's actually Dr. Agon! Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, I love this. Oh, I love stupid shit like that. Uh localizations you'll never guess what he is you'll never guess you'll never guess <laughs> oh son of a bitch i get it now wait did you not get it i did not get it <laughs> i just looked at it on my on my screen and it's dr agon oh is he perhaps referencing that he kind of looks like egon from ghostbusters no he's a fucking no. dragon <laughs> genuinely did not realize. I love you and I hate you for this, Square Enix. Uh, and the vocalization <laughs> team. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. Bless you. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that was... Oh, I'm so glad that was live. Holy shit. Uh, oh, but if that didn't tip you off, he's a, he's a fucking dragon. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Bjorn the Behemus. Behemus. What a fucking race name. Behemus. 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 It's, it's so fun to say. Behemus. 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 Alright. Uh, he's a giant demon dude that Luca fights in order to gain the Zenithian Blade. Um, bests him in combat, and then he shows up later to help with the, uh, with the raid on body as cast. He spares him and then he becomes a bud. Good bud. Good moosey bud. Uh, he's mostly known for being big and hitting stuff hard. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, and then we have Rodrigo, the king of a kingdom, uh, Nira's father, and initially tried to get Luca engaged to Nira after he managed to grab the Zenithian blade. Uh, that didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's also a little shrimpy dude who walks Oh, his design is so strange. The fact... I'll say this. A thing I really love about this movie is that they managed to actually get really kind of, like, cartoony, expressive designs to work really, really naturally in, like, a CG movie. And they look like cartoony, strange people. It's like, that's good character design for your CG movie. You could learn a couple of things instead of recycling the same several models throughout, like, several movies, Disney. Linguini. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, the Pixar dude. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Anyways. Anyway. 
Uh, Dr. Aegon is played by Neil Kaplan. Uh, Bjorn by Jacob Craner. And Rodrigo by Frank Todaro. A uh, bunch of names there that are actually relatively new for us to talk about here on Death With the talk. exception for one, I think, but yeah. Right. Uh, Jacob Craner, um, he was the actor I had previously kind of hinted at. Um, he's done a few things for Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, looks like he also played, um, Falco Lombardi in the, uh, Wit Studio Star Fox Oh, shit! Little short No film. kidding, really? Oh, yeah. that's cool, okay. Um, he's Rockshaws in Berserk, uh, Ugo Maguire in Lupin Part 5. Ooh. In the upcoming Transformers were um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Transformers, War for Cybertron Trilogy, Siege, uh, I believe that's the one coming to Netflix at the end of next month, or it was the one that came before Yes, it's the one coming to um, Netflix soon, yeah. Okay, um, he's gonna be Starscream. Mmm, okay, interesting. Which is actually a really cool thing, because we're gonna come up to somebody here in a in little a bit. In a little bit, who is mm. also in. Mm-hmm, 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 uh, and Neil Kaplan. Neil Kaplan is actually... He's done some really cool stuff. Well, I mean, the big thing is he's Maduro Chiha in uh, Naruto Shippuden. Like... Oh, no. Not not actually Madara. No, he's uh, actually Madara. Oh, I thought he was Toby. No. Oh, or, oh, oh. oh yeah. Oh, oh I fucking um, hate Naruto so goddamn much. Uh, no, he is, he is, he is, okay, he's the real He's the real Madara. And, but they also use him as the voice of Toby. He's also, oh, he's also the, the masked man Toby, who's, god, I fucking hate Naruto, fuck. And they also got somebody completely different to play the actual... Fake. Moderate. The same character has like five uh. different voices. It's ridiculous. Anyways, what else has Neil done? Uh oh, wow. He was Hawkmon in season two of Digimon. Wow, I did not know that. Uh, do 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 do. Robson Zakoli in Lupin Part Four. Uh. Oh, that was the one I was looking for. Uh, he was Emperor Zarkon in Voltron Legendary. I was going to say, I, I figured you would have led with that. Yeah, no, this is Zarkon as Dragon. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly who he All was. Right. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, what did you think of our party support cast? Uh, the Behemoth's Boy was a pretty good, gruff Behemoth's Boy. Uh, he's got a nice gruff growl to him that's very cool. Like, he, he sounds like a demon, but he also sounds like he's got a nice bit of, like, I can believe there's some emotional support behind that, where he's, like, asking to be spared and what. But he's also a bit of a good, he's a bit of a slobby boy, because he likes hoarding shit, like a, like a dragon. So, just more on that in a second. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm dragging my feet here. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, Jacob does a pretty good job as the behemoth. Uh, he shows up in like two or three scenes, but he's, a, he's got a very fun design. And I think he's got a good job with the growl action scene. I, got, I very much was amused by the fact that he's like, it's time for barbecue. I'm like, okay, that's a little corny, but that's cute. <laughs> uh, but yeah. 80s cartoon. 80s. 80s or 90s, to take your pick. Uh, Rodrigo, uh, Frank Dodaro, I've actually heard in a couple of different anime stuff in recent times. He's, I, I remember him most recently from a couple of Bang Zoom things where, uh, he's the lock guy from Jojo Diamond is Unbreakable, and he's a scummy sack of shit, that dude, but he's, he's very, very good in that. He's also... Possibly the strangest character in all of SAO. Chudelkin. I don't... I need to get back to that at some point. I don't know how to describe kind of. Chudelkin. All I can say is his character design literally does not look like it belongs at SAO. But yeah, no. Frank's, Frank, I've heard him in a couple of things, but he's got a very fun, weird voice for this very strangely designed character. He's got that level of, like, he's got a bit of royal gravitas to him, but he's also a little bit of a quirky, bumbling fool at the same time. Because he's talking about, like, how much he, he cares so much for his daughter, too. He's such a, like, my sweet, precious baby girl, but he's also just... He doesn't even realize that, like, a whole part of his fucking house is gone containing the holy weapon. It's like, you really didn't check? You really didn't fucking <laughs> check, bro. He's also rightfully ire, where it's like, You turned my baby girl down? That kind of guy. Yeah, no, it's just fun how he's just kind of like berating him. It's like, if anybody asks, I'm the one that sent you off. Now be gone with you. Never see my baby girl again. But he, no, Frank's got a really fun voice for this very quirky character, and I quite enjoyed it. Neil Kaplan has a very sexy voice. A wonderful Wonderful, graph, gruff, sexy voice. Zarkon is a very iconic, like, voice performance. Regardless of what people's opinion of Voltron is, Neil is fan-fucking-tastic as Zarkon. He's also really great as, like, Madara and the other anime stuff he's popped in, too. Uh, but, no, he does a good job being this very old, kinda old man dude who's a good support guy who just very nonchalant about oh wait i'm a dragon i can't turn into a dragon because i don't have an orb wait that's my orb except it's not my orb i'll also say i very much was tipped off to something when i was watching this movie the first time where it's like they're talking about how he's got a quest that he's got to fight some robots it's like robots that seems weird it's like it's different this time i'm like what and it wasn't different at all but no, uh, Neil Kaplan does it. Not at all. Neil Kaplan does a really good job as this very buff old man dragon. He's got a very cool voice, and I really like hearing Neil Kaplan in things. Uh, good on you for playing Dr. Agon. <laughs> I'm so mad. God, I love, I love doing shit like this. Anyways, please continue, Roots. Alright, um... So yeah, I mean, when you're playing a character name, named Bjorn the Behemoose, it has to be painfully abundantly clear that you are legally obligated to have just an absolute great time voicing such a character. 
it's just so fun. Especially when he, when Bjorn is sort of the bad guy. Like he has, he's he's just hoarded a bunch of treasure and shit, and like he is actually trying to kill Luca to to keep his stuff. Like it is actually really, really fun. And then when he shows up at the end of the movie to help raid Ladia's Islands, like it, it's still really fun. Like even after the time skip, like. He remembers that he owes this guy a debt, and he's he's gonna pay up. Like it's really good. And Frank Todaro, uh, and Jacob Craner, uh, I think he did a superb job. Um, obviously, he like he's not new new to the voice acting industry, just kind of new to to anime. I I hope to hear him in more things. Uh, Frank Todaro as Rodrigo. I largely agree with the stuff Andrew has said, but I, I would like to just add that it is, like, 50s Disney movie royalty voice. And it is just absolutely spectacular, especially coming out of such a cartoonishly designed character. Oh, I didn't even think of, like, Royal Disney, but no, I can totally see it now that you mention it. Like, it, it, it's just so fun to hear, like, this goofy voice coming out of the one character that seems awkwardly translated from Akira Toriyama's original designs. A little bit, yeah. Um, but I, I don't want, want that to sound as a complaint. It actually, like, really, really helped with the character that he was designed so strangely. It definitely lessened impression, just... that's for sure. He's just so short and squat with like little noodle limbs. And he's just got these big he's got these big poofy shoulders too, and just the strange hair and the tiny scepters. It's it's just delightful. <laughs> um and of course I have not seen a voice acting role from Neil Kaplan where he's done wrong. I mean his characters have done wrong. A lot oh of wrong, boy, but... have they? <laughs> um, it's honestly also kind of refreshing to see Neil Kaplan not play the villain. Um, I know he hasn't in the past. Like, there's a a really big one he's done that I didn't mention because it's listed under another name that he uses on ANN, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, where he is very much a mentorish good guy but um I actually like that from him he like he can put age into his voice and I also like that his uh Dr. Aegon <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm genuinely um... <laughs> blown away you did not piece that together like you wrote it out in your notes for days and you didn't piece it together that's the best sometimes things just have to be pointed out anyway um i like the fact that there was very clear distinction between his human voice and his dragon voice um with his dragon voice being like gruffer and like not quite a mean growl but there's a little bit of a growl in there 
Um, he's got a dragon growl. All in all, he's all got a dragon growl. Yeah, there we go. Um, all in all, all three of these were really good. Um, very solid thumbs up. Uh, so let's move on to our next little category. The the party, oh. so to speak. Yeah, actually, before I do, there is one other thing about Dr. Agon I wanted to like bring up real quick, and that he has some of the best line deliveries of the movie. Like, oh, after the the eight year time skip where he meets Luca again, he doesn't remember him, and then he's just like, "Oh yeah, you're Captain." Oh stinky. yeah, no, I forgot about that. I love the way that he calls them stinky. It's like, it's like the, it's like the old man who doesn't care but actually cares a whole lot. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, no, the um, way he just delivers the phrase stinky and makes it sound cool is amazing. Yeah, I, I bring that up because it's going to be important in the next category. Um, so the, the actual adventuring party. Uh, you don't actually get to see them do much in the way of adventuring. But I would, ima just because that was I would imagine there's a lot more adventuring in the 50 to 60 hour plus video game that is Dragon Quest V. I mean, some sacrifices had to be made. Of, of course, it's like an under two-hour movie for a fifty to sixty-hour game. You you work with what you got. Yeah. Um. So we have, I believe she was a mage in the game, but um, Nira, the princess of a kingdom. Uh, out of a deal Rodrigo made with Luca, her hand was offered up in marriage, if he could slay Bjorn. Which he technically did. Basically, the arrangement was when he gets, the arrangement was slay to get lay. Oh god damn it! <laughs> you god damn it! You knew what you signed I up for. I knew you had to go there. <laughs> I knew you had to. I just didn't expect you to. Ah, uh, I love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, offer your hand in marriage. And he was about to do it. Then he realized he had feelings for another. That that other is a fellow party member. And, like, she's sort of dressed like a barbarian, but she's a mage. Yeah, she kind of she looks like she could be either or. I actually wasn't sure which one. Yeah, me neither. I Dragon Quest V is, like, on my eternal list of backlog games to get to. Uh, so feel free to leave a very angry post in the comments. Actually helps out the channel a lot. Thank you. Thank you. For being so mad at me for not understanding Dragon Quest V Hand of the Heavenly Bride. God bless. Actually, I could just look up what class she is. I'm kind of curious now. Class. Um, anyway, her name is Bianca, and Luca helped her on a quest when he was a child, and she rejoined the party as an adult. Uh, through a little bit of soul-searching with a potion uh, Nira gave him under disguise, uh, Luca actually realizes he is in love with Bianca and decides to marry her and has a kid with her. And then they both get turned into stone. As Don't you he, hate? It's one of the trials of marriage, kids. Uh, and then we have Henry, a young prince who voyaged with Luca for a little bit when they were kids. Uh, they both end up getting kidnapped when Pankraz was killed by Ladia, uh, sent to his island to do forced labor, and they escape by 
and I kid, I shit you not here. Clap, clap, clap. They stick themselves, they rub themselves in like a sewer, jump into a barrel and pretend to be corpses. Look, it's effective. I can't complain about it. And I mean, it give, gave Dr. Aegon an excuse to call Luca Cat and Stinky at the end of the movie. Touche. Uh, and then he shows up at the end of the movie with... With a With his pirate ship thrown into the air. And it crashes down. Like, I expected Joan Jett to play. You know, the... I don't give a damn about my I'll, bad reputation. I'll say this. Oh, Just, God, yeah. No, I, okay, you got a Shrek vibe from that? That's great. Uh, like, that that scene was really good. I'll say this. I also was I was when, thinking to myself, like, near the end of the movie, where it's like, ooh, they're surrounded. By the way, where the fuck's Henry been all this time? And literally the second I think that, oh, hey, Henry. Yeah, the pirate ship comes down. It's just like, oh, hey, Henry. <laughs> Um, so, in terms of actors, uh, Nira is played by Xanthi Nguyen, uh, Bianca is played by Stephanie Shea, and Henry actually has two actors, but we're probably, we're gonna be focusing on one over the course of the episode, but I did want to give a mention to the other. Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, so, adult Henry is played by Zena Robinson. Um, and the very young child Henry is played by an actor by the name of Elijah Raymond. Oh, cool. Uh, so Xanthi Wynn, you would know from, well, I mean, you would know her from Maquia, which we've talked about. Um, Persona 5. Oh, wow. I forgot she was in Fully Coolly Progressive. Yes, she is. She's, she's the uh, main girl and of she's that. she's also... Me- I never actually got to watch it because I lost Adult Swim, but anyway. Um, And also, probably the big thing that she was in that really got her name out was playing Menma in the Anohana TV series. It was definitely one of my favorite performances in that dub. She was so good as Menma. Oh my god. Like, that just... God, Anohana just tore me apart. Anohana and Makuya are both uh, heartbreakers and Santhi's brilliant in both mm-hmm uh so stephanie shea has played um and i'm gonna go largely with nyav post roles here because she she is a big part of nyav post mm-hmm. uh she has played casey in cannon busters uh yuho in lou over the wall and mitsuha in your name Little-known indie classic called Your Name. Eh, just, just a little. Uh, and then, of course, um, Zeno Robinson, you would know as Kelby from Cannon Busters. Uh, he has recently exploded in popularity over the last couple of months because he, he played kind of a relatively minor role in an obscure indie show, um... Uh, I think it goes by the name of um, My Hero Academia, no. where he plays a character named Hawks. Never heard of it. I know. Weird, right? Just kidding. I fucking love My Hero Academia. Just in case you're a new viewer and can't tell my sarcasm. 
Oh, we are always sarcastic here. Oh, always believe that we have it that we're speaking with at least a ten percent. Really? I've never sense of I've, sarcasm at all times. I've never been sarcasm in my entire life. Um, and also another really big thing that Zeno was cast in earlier this year. Um, he is now the voice of Go in the new in the new season of Pokemon, Pokemon Journeys. Uh, the, the secondary lead character of the new series. Mm-hmm. And I can't actually think of any major roles for Elijah Raymond off the top of my head. Because I believe he's a child actor. Yeah, that's a thing for sure. I think the neat thing about uh, NYAV Post, as we've discussed a couple of times, they actually get child actors for, for their doves, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so this seems like his only credited voiceover role, as far as I can tell. The rest are shorts. Nice. Alright, so, Andrew, uh, what did you think of the... Uh, of the party? Of our supporting party. Uh, I'll start off with... Uh, Eli Elijah's pretty good, but he's only really got two lines before he gets swooped away. Uh, Zeno as Henry, though. Uh, Zeno's really... If he's not on your radar yet, he goddamn should be. This dude's stupid talented, and I'm still trying to track down what his exact tone of voice is. It's very impressive. Um, he does a good job making Henry sound like this very... Like, as a, as a, as a baby boy, he's kind of a stuck-up rich kid. But as, like, when he's enslaved and, like, when he becomes a better friend to Luca, he's a good old... He's a good old like bud he's kind of tactical he's kind of a little smug and goofy but he's also a very like loyal dedicated friend he's got some very nice uh comedic dialogue with him when they're trying to disguise themselves in sewer smug and he's just so like oh god is this actually what we're doing and it's great and i actually thought like when he's parting ways with uh luca because he's going off to basically finish the quest so to speak when he parts ways with luca it's actually kind of emotional because you can tell he's he wants to be stuck up and smug but he's like no wait i actually really was super touched by everything you and your dad did for me i'm alive because of him and i'm grateful for you you're my friend you're my friend through all of this i got your back no matter what i thought that was a really good scene and zeno did a great job though that was one of the moments where I'm like, okay, trying to match these very specific flaps might have hindered it a little bit. I don't really blame Zeno or Michael for that at all. It was just like, okay, you kind of got to do what you got to do. And what you did, you did a pretty good job. But no, Zeno's fantastic as uh, Prince Harry. He does a good job. He's a good bro. Let's talk about Nira for a second. Um... So, Xanthi Wynn is adorable and precious, and she's a charming little cute princess girl who's very adorkable, and I love how she's trying to be like, it's not that I don't want you to have my wand. No, wait, no, I do want you, except, no, wait, I don't actually, I do. It's like, oh, God, you're such an adorable little sweetheart. You're trying your best not to seem like you care, but you actually care a lot. It's adorable. 
she does a great job as uh, playing Nira, this cute little sweet little princess who wants to marry this guy. Except not really, because she sees through his bullshit that he doesn't see himself and can tell he loves another. So what does she do? She disguises herself as a very small old lady being like, I know what your heart truly desires. Drink this potion and you will know for sure where your heart allegiances lie. And also, Xanthi is really convincing as an old lady. Like, I genuinely could not tell that was her for a bit until she showed up the second time and I was like, wait a second. Wait, is that her? Is that Xanthi in disguise? And then it was, I was like, oh shit! That's Xanthi! She was a really convincing old lady. I was impressed. I didn't know she could do like little old lady voices. A new skill I didn't know she was capable of. Yeah, no, uh, Xanthi's adorable, but also she's very entertaining when she's Nira and also the old lady in disguise. She's got a very fun presence and I enjoyed her. Uh, Stephanie Shea is Bianca. Stephanie Shea is no stranger to this podcast whatsoever. Uh, in this, she's got a, she, she does a very wonderful, spunky, tomboy girl, childhood friend who is doing her best to seem like she's super on board for her buddy hooking up with Nera, but then it's like she drinks away her troubles, and then she's like, Ah, Luca, hey, how you doing, buddy? Great to see you. Let's celebrate your marriage. Yeah, you big stupid jerk. I'm like, aw. No, she does a great job. She does a great job, and also, like, when she's a kick-ass mama who's trying to fight for her hubby, and also keep her kids safe? No, she does a great job. She's also very persistent when it comes to... She has some great chemistry with Luca. And I just... I also love when she's facing off against Lagia on her own. And she's just got that very stubborn, I will never give in to you before turning into stone. Which, yeah, no. Uh, Stephanie Shea does delightful job as Bianca. She's a ton of fun. Uh, like, I, I like spunky tomboy Stephanie Shea, but also when you see her being a lot more flustered and cute, where it's like, you better mean it this time. You're not taking this one back. I'm like, aww. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. Yeah, no, uh, the entire, uh, party of Xanthi, Stephanie, and Zeno were wonderful in this movie. My... Particular favorite of the three, though, is probably still uh, Xanthi, just because I genuinely did not know she could do a convincing old lady voice and actually fool me. Well done, madam. Nice. Alright, so... I think I will as well start with uh, with Henry. Again, as Andrew said, um, Elijah doesn't get a lot of actual dialogue in the Five minutes that young Henry appears on screen. Uh, I thought he did a really good job, and I know it's very complicated to hire child actors for anime dubs, but um, that little extra bit of effort is something I appreciate out of NYAV Pups. Uh, so, as for Zeno Robinson as Henry, uh, remember earlier in the episode when I referred to a character whose uh, script writing actually very much benefited the character? Mm -hmm. uh, that's where this is. Um, Zeno Robinson feels like an 
an 80s protagonist of a of an animated fantasy movie brought into you know 2020 like he is smug he is regal he is just it's just so good so so good and when he shows up at the end of the movie as sort of the 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 naval captain who who shows up to save the day like that was that was really great Mm-hmm. Xanthi Wynn as Nira. Uh, I I thought she was absolutely adorable when she was flustered. Uh, I did not actually realize that the the old lady form was actually still Xanthi uh, until you brought that up. I was actually going to posit the question of whether or not it was still her, but I guess that basically... Yeah. Mm. Like... Like her old lady voice is like really good, and the the whole thing at the very end of her appearance where she turns back into the the young princess form and she's just like, yeah, your kids have fun now. She played very good like matchmaker. I, <laughs> like you, you're led to believe that Bianca is basically being the wingman here, but really it's Nira. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing was ju- that whole thing was just great. And Stephanie Shea as Bianca. Again, she does the flustered thing really well, but it's it's also absolutely hilarious when she gets like absolutely hammered, and she's just kind of berating Luca because she's actually developing feelings for him, but doesn't think he thinks she does, and like calling him a big stupid dummy under her breath and also like that was that was really also cute. i know it's a different world and a different time don't drink strange liquids given to you by a stranger that seems like a recipe for actual fucking disaster yeah you know i think we do need to have that psa ladies and gentlemen if an old woman gives you a strange pink liquid fucking don't if anybody gives you a strange liquid without your consent and it is unsealed and untampered for all the world to do whatever they want, fucking don't. Don't drink li- don't drink strange liquids, ladies and gentlemen. GI Joe. Don't drink the potion 2020. Don't drink the potion 2020. I I could I could I could rake with that. Don't drink the potion. Hashtag don't drink the potion 2020. Mm. It worked for this. It worked for this <laughs> movie, but don't do that in real life. Hashtag the potion is over party. Potion, <laughs> potion is over. <laughs> oh god, potion is getting canceled. You... <laughs> um, but when Stephanie Shea is actually playing the motherly role for like the 10 seconds she gets to before she's turned to stone that's like i also really like that and then when she's also trying to fiercely protect luca's mother and ultimately sacrifices herself by being turned into stone by ladia like that was that was also really dramatic shouty and i really liked it um all three of these were really 
great, solid performances. I hope to hear more of Elijah Raymond in the coming years. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our next category. I can't actually tell you why I have decided to organize these three characters the way I did. You'll have to watch the movie to I'm find gonna it. be honest, Roots. There's no way I'm not gonna be able to talk about it, okay? I, I can't, I, I can't do it. I, you... Okay, okay, look. Here, let, let's do this. At the beginning of every episode, we have done a uh, disclaimer warning saying we will be discussing the full movie in detail. Now, starting from this section of the episode, this is no suit. We are being serious. Full-on disclaimer warning. We fucking warned you. We fucking told you. You know what you're in for. If you're surprised by this point, you have nobody to blame but yourself. From this point, starting in three, two, one, go. Spoiler alert. Okay. So you know what? We're gonna do this. We are gonna go full ham spoiler on ya. Um, so Ladia is the main villain of the movie. Uh, his goal is to open a portal, summon the god Ninzo to destroy the world. Uh, that is basically the crux of his character arc. He shows up, he fucks things up. He's, he he's evil, he... And plans to fuck things he's up He's evil, further. he fucks things up, he's also got, like, floaty hands and balls for a chin. Yeah, yeah, there's a ball chain. It happens to the best of us. My god. He's got a great design, too, I'll say that. I know. Like, I think of all the character designs uh, being ported over from Akira Toriyama drawings, I think Ladia was the one who benefited the most. Mm, for sure. Uh, can't say the same about Nimzo. <laughs> oh, boy, did that not port over well. <laughs> <sighs> Because, um, that's not Nimzo. That's not the Nimzo from the game. No, not at all. Um, what we get is a virus injected into the programming of the game. Because this entire fucking movie... It's a simulation. It's not even just the game, or it's not even the world in the game. It's a VR, like, deep dive simulation of the game. And just some anonymous hacker injected their virus code into the final boss enemy of the story of Dragon Quest V, which is Nimzo. So, and the entire purpose... Of injecting a virus into the code of the game, specifically into Nimzo's code, to create this being, was to just show up, walk up to the protagonist, and just say, fuck you, you suck. It's literal. That is the entire purpose of, it's, <laughs> of the reprogramming. Imagine Nimzo. going through several hours of, like, a video game. Imagine spending what you think you feel is your entire life inside of a video game for the final boss to be a virus program made by some, like, 35-something-year-old nobody in his fucking basement whose literal purpose is to say, LOL, you're a fucking noob, get wrecked, cucked. 
That's what Nimzo is. That's actually what he is. Literally, the message from his creator is, Man, you're a fucking loser who thinks video games matter. Eat shit. Like, literally, verbatim, the message the virus delivers to Luca is... I believe it's just simply two words. Grow no, up. No, it's actually something more. It's basically saying, Haha, you suck. Grow up. Yeah, I... They, but I mean, literally quoted from from the character of Nimbus, so it's it's grow up, find another hobby or something, like, something like that. Let's just say, to say this went over poorly might be an understatement. I will have thoughts about this. In we'll final have thoughts, thoughts on this in final thoughts. I just. We had to talk about it. I can't just sit... You can't just sit here and chain me like this and tell me I can't talk about it. That's why I had to put the extra, extra disclaimer warning. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, I'll probably throw a time code into the... For sure. Into the down below, just to make two, two, two. sure. Also, let's talk about the other best um, boy. Oh, God. Okay. The other really fun part about the ending. Gutrude the Slime. Gutrude has been, like, joining uh, Luca throughout the entire party. He's been following him pretty much since his escape from the slave camp. He's been there through the entire movie. He's just... Because Slime... Here's the thing. The Slime in Dragon Quest is probably... If you don't know what Dragon Quest is, you know what the Dragon Quest slime is. It is basically one of yeah. the most marketable designs in the entire franchise. It's just a perfect design. And it's it's a little little goo-shaped thing. It's got a cute, dumb, smiley face. Like, the design's almost perfect because I think Toriyama just... Re like, in before Dragon Ball Z, Toriyama drew Dr. Slump. And in Dr. Slump, he would draw poo on a stick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the slime is almost very similar to the poo on a stick. It, I I do have to agree with you. It is more than likely just the poo smoothed out. <laughs> smoothed out. But yeah, it, basically that became one of the most iconic designs. And the slime in this movie, they name him Gutru. Gutrude. He's a good boy. He's a sweet little friend boy. Uh, Steph and I were agreeing that... I thought his name was Gutri at first, but apparently it's Gutrude. Yeah, it's also um, something completely different in the Japanese version that was localized to Gutrude because that makes of, sense. Of course, I would imagine um, there's probably think... actual Japanese pun for what he actually is, but Gutrude is the English localization, and Gutrude is adorable and precious, and I love him, and the thing they do with him at the end of the movie made me lose my fucking garbage. <laughs> um, so, one thing that you... You have to understand about slimes in the in the game of Dragon Quest is um, they are considered an enemy class, but they're not necessarily enemies. Uh, depending on what game you play, what you know, um, some of them actually are sort of protagonistic in their in the way that they do things. They're they're more of a um, race. They're more of a race than an yeah. enemy or antagonist. Some are some are enemies, uh, some are bros. Pretty much. So 
Gutru joins Luca's party. Um, follows him throughout the course of his adventure. And then at the very end, when Nimzo is basically trying to break Luca just, just to fuck with him. Um, along comes Gutrude. Turns out he's a vaccine he's program. He's an antivirus vaccine program who has been... Oh my god. The rep... Like, he is there specifically to rewrite Nimzo's Because he knows something's wrong throughout the entire movie. And he... And, like, we don't know. He disappears, like, literally during the final battle when uh, Luca is facing off against Lancia. Knowing it's coming. Which you don't know it's coming. And then when he pops in... <laughs> in the way of his attack and starts talking I was (laughs) there is video proof of my reaction to Gutrude oh it is a work of art and I am as editor I'm going to try and find I'm going to move heaven and earth to make sure that you get to see this god bless all right, who plays who? Okay. So, Ladia the Wizard is played by Jason Marnocha. Uh, Nimzo the Virus is Paul Gayet. And Gutru. Who's say it? So, say it. Say the name. As we've been as we've been talking about it, you know, we've been saying slimes are these little adorable things. Say the name, Bart. Blue liquid. Say the name! (laughs) Gutrude is played by Stephen J. Bloom. Which I was amazed when I first heard because it was like, oh, okay. That, wait, what? Wait, what? But then uh, Steph was like, oh, he kind of sounds like a Digimon. Well, I'll have things to say in my segment. Um, so I should probably say, who, who, who what, what have these yeah, people so, done? Um, Jason Marnocha has played um, Kieran Judo in the second season of Mob Psycho 100. Um, Helvis in Hells, um, which I believe he came damn close to getting uh, getting a W from me last year if he wasn't technically not permitted. But anyway, um Gunsaku Nambu and Megalobox, which he actually did win mm-hmm. my Debbie. And um, coming, as I mentioned before, uh, one of the actors was in the the new Transformers cartoon coming to Netflix um, as Starscream. Jason Marnocha is also going to be in that show as Megatron. As it also turns out, he has played Megatron in several different Transformers cartoons in the past couple of years. Yeah, I I think it was in a couple of the video games. I'm not sure if he was in the games. Because I, I, I didn't watch some of these. I think one of them was actually, like, originally an exclusive on Go90. Okay, yeah, I know, um... I know all of these new cartoons coming up are, um... I think Rooster Teeth was involved. Uh, Rooster Teeth was involved with War of Cybertron. Uh, Machinima was part of... Oh, Machinima Machinima was part of one of the the other ones he did, too. Uh, Let's see. Going from what's here, 
uh, Combiner Wars, Power of the Primes, and Titans Returns alongside uh, War for Tr Cybertron. See, oh my god, I just realized this, the new animated series is supposed to be the third. It's supposed to be the third War for Cybertron game we never got, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Holy shit, I didn't actually realize that. I I literally watched a uh, Ma Matthew McMuscle's What Happened on uh, Rise of the Spark, which was supposed to be the third War for Cybertron game, but they decided to fuck everything up and then some. Oh mm -hmm. shit, that actually makes a lot of sense. This is a wild tangent before I continue my next wild tangent, but yeah. Paul Gayette is... Seems to be a relatively new voice actor to the NYAV post scene. Um, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I actually couldn't find anything to his name. Uh, actually, so. since we're on a Transformers kick already, uh, just because I popped up over on this site, he is Heatwave in Transformers Rescue Bot Academy. Oh, okay. So there's something. Very okay. different character, but still. Oh, I mean, a very different Transformers. Also true. Uh, and Stephen J. Bloom, like, in the event you weren't aware of who Stephen J. Bloom is. Um, Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop. Um, nearly every video game under the sun that comes out these days. We brought um, it of the AAA variety. We brought up Naruto villains earlier. He was one of the OGs, Orochimaru. Not only was he Orochimaru, he was Zabuza. Oh shit, he was Zabuza too! F wow, the actual OG. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, actually, he did... It actually surprised me when I learned that he actually has not been in Bleach at all. Um, wow. That's surprising. But what he has he been in with a certain um Yeah, he um um he is actually a mainstay of a franchise near and dear to my heart, Digimon. Digimon, you say. Hmm. Um where he has played all of Vmon's Armor Evolutions in the second season. Uh Flamedramon Raidramon and Magnamon. And more importantly, he is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Um, Gilmon. Which is probably the most important thing to mention with uh, in regards to Gutru. I, I think G I, when I was watching this with Steph, she was the one that brought it up to me. Because I didn't grow up with G uh, Digimon. She's like, man, he does sound like Gilmon. Yeah. He sounds like Guillemot for most of the movie. Shall I go into this? Yes, please do. Okay, so I'm going to start with Steve Bloom just because he makes very adorable little slime noises. He's fantastic. And then he talks like Steve and Bloom where he's got the deep 
voice where he's like, I'm an antivirus is program. I've prepared a vaccine. I'm like, oh my god, you don't just you don't just throw that to a guy. You don't do that to a guy. You don't just suddenly whip out the Spike Spiegel voice when you're going through a very cutesy for the entire fucking movie. You don't do that to a guy. Or at least you don't do that without proper warning. Like that floored me. I I I, I just had to speak exasperated because there's not much to really talk about the performance outside of that. But no, uh, Steve Bloom does a good job. He gets that paycheck. And Gutrude is adorable, precious slime boy. He's part of the party. Um, Paul as Nimzo. Okay, okay, I'll say this. I'll say this. I actually get what they're going for with this. It's like, I sat on it for a while. I actually get what the surprise thesis of this movie is. It makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, we can go more into the We'll get more the, into that the in thesis. the end. I'm just going to say, for what this movie is going for, I get it. I do. I'm not as upset by this, probably, because I did not actively grow up with... Dragon Quest V, or was expecting, like, a straight adaptation. I didn't know what I was expecting for this movie. I just knew. I was expecting, hey, this could be a fun movie. Boy, every time Ninzo... Ninzo literally changes the genre of this movie. He straight up changes the entire genre of this film. That's insane. The fact that he literally turns the entire world and basically de-renders it is like, what the fuck? But Nimso's got this very cool, cold, calculating tone of voice that is not ready to play along. He's just like, I'm here. I'm here to speak very sterile, and I'm here to make fun of you. Get wrecked, scrubs. I, like, it's literally just a very sterile, cold, calculating, like, higher-being supervillain literally showing up into this action fantasy movie to say, you're a fucking loser is kind of, it, it's going to floor you. And Paul does a great job with that justification. He does a great job, but still, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. Okay, so Jason Marnocha as Lagia is the best performance in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. He is deliciously evil. Delicious. Mm -mm. He is chewing the scenery all the entire time. Like, he is radiating pure chaos, evil charisma. And you hear the change in the tone of voice where he's this evil, maniacal laughter. <laughs> this is fun. I'm having fun. Kind of like a Joker Kefka-esque character. And then you also see, like, when he is basically, like, he is all-powerful and... He sounds much more... Like, when he gets angry, you hear the change in tone of voice. Where he's like, he literally, like, he's fighting uh, Bianca. And he's like, I am done playing with you, child. Like, ooh, you hear the change in the tone of voice. It's really good. You hear, like, the gravel as he's dying and basically doing the one last fuck you by summoning who you think is Nimzo. My favorite line read in the movie is also just, like, when... After he turns our main character to stone... After he turns Luca to stone, he's literally just marveling at the craft he made. He's just literally like, 
putting his gross fingers all over the statue. He's just like, and he just says very softly, very sinister, exquisite. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's good. Like, I hear a lot of that Megatron voice when he's playing the evil sinister voice, but he's also just, he's just a really good sinister motherfucker. Jason is so good as Lagia. He's fantastic. He's amazing. Oh my god, he he's definitely like the best performance in the show. Like, I knew Jason Mardocho was fantastic in a couple of other things, but oh my god, this dude is talented as fuck. I'm gonna take a drink now, because now my throat's probably feeling like how his must have felt. <laughs> Alright, so, I'm actually going to start with Jason Marnocha. Um, as Andrew said, I wholeheartedly agree that this is probably the single strongest performance of the step. Um, he is maniacal, he is playful. Um, he is just condescending and mocking as fuck. Uh, he just, like, this, this world is all a toy to him, and he is, he's gonna break the toy, just because he wants to. Um, one minor nitpick that I hinted at, at the beginning of the episode, though, is in the Japanese version of the film, hmm? um, they actually layered his Seiyu's voice on top of itself, I want to say like four or five times. That's what it sounded like. So it was just this, um, it sounded echoey and hollow. And it, it doesn't sound like they did that in, in the English dub of Dragon Quest, your story. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's just, um, the engineer who worked on it tried to do that and realized it wouldn't work as well in English, so they decided not to do it. And if that's the case, you know... I'd also argue that, like, I almost feel like doing a filter is kind of meant to elevate a performance that might not be as capable of doing that change in tone of voice sometimes. Like, hmm. I'd argue that the, the reason they didn't need to do that with Jason is that he can do those changes naturally without relying well, on it. Well, I mean... Okay, um... Just... Th this is... This is if, some... you, if you watch a trailer in Japanese, um, like, a vocal effect that is put on the Seiyu's voice, um, it's not necessarily to aid with these sudden transitions of tone. Mm. Um, it's more to just make the voice feel... More sinister. As I said... As I said, it it feels hollow, like okay, like um, like the voice is coming out of a void. I, I, okay, that's. I also haven't heard it to really get the comparison, but all right. I, I don't. I I see what you mean, though. I don't think. I don't think I it, lost anything in translation of removing it either. No. Like that is the thing. The the performance is so strong that even without that little um that little audio gimmick, 
it, it's just extremely sinister. Especially when he changes from the, the playful clown voice to, like, he is actually seriously pissed. Mm-hmm. I also love how he just fucks with him, like, near the end of the movie, where it's like, Ah, oh, you've stabbed me! Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bullets! My only weakness! How did you know? Oh, God bless. Um... And yeah, the the very end of his of his performance where he is basically killed and uses the last of his life force to open the portal and summon Nimzo. Like that is just that is just chef kiss. To an other to an otherwise brilliant performance. It is so good. Mm-hmm. Um which of course brings me to the creature he summons, Nimzo. Who is so cold, artificial, and just... And like Ladia, is just absolutely condescending to Luca. Like, he doesn't care. He's not programmed to. He's just here to tell the person behind Luca, Hey, you. Yeah, you. You looking at this monitor right now. Fuck you. You're a big man baby who's playing a game for nostalgia. Fuck you. And then just disappear back into the void. Like, I will have thoughts and final thoughts, but I think the performance and Paul Gayette playing what is supposed to be Nimzo is just absolutely brilliant. And for as big as the twist is, um, it sounds like he's actually having a lot of fun doing it. Mm. And then, of course, Gutrude and Steve Bloom, where it's just, throughout the entire movie, he's just doing these... Just these very high-pitched sort of squealy noises. And then at the very end of the movie, <laughs> like, it just reverts to his normal, gritty... Uh, that's, like, his his Tom voice. That's why I think it's so funny. That's why I think it's so funny, because it's so hard-shifting. That's why I think it goes from being funny to, like, actually amazing. And I, I want to think that that was, like, deliberate. I think that's a on, very on deliberate thing. the part of the dub crew. Because it's just them, like, having a lot of fun with just this weird left turn twist mm. but I think all three of these performances were great um, and Jason Marnocha like once again he is a front runner for Golden Ham um, so that brings us to our last category and our two protagonists of the film um, Luca is the character we follow throughout the course of the film uh, he is believed to be the Zenithian hero who is supposed to slay Ladia and prevent the summoning of Nimzo. He is not. Uh, and as he quests through the world and his throughout his adulthood, he actually bears the child who ends up being the legendary hero, and that is Alice. He searched far and wide, and all he had to do was look inside. <laughs> 
There was at least um, four and- other pla- there was at least four other grosser places I could have gone with that, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that one just feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, not really much to say here about them. They're sort of the quite literally the audience analog. Um, but Luca is played by Yuri Lowenthal and Alice by Hudson Lovero. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, you would probably best know as Sasuke from the Naruto franchise. Um, he's also been in a lot of stuff like Tiger and Bunny, um, Code Geass. To, to uh, say that Yuri Lo- to say that Yuri Lowenthal is a big name is an understatement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's even been in, like, major Western cartoons like Ben 10, and I want to say he's somebody in the Marvel franchise uh, of cartoons. I feel like he is, and now I'm going to look this up, which I'm now curious. Hang on. Continue. Oh, he was a Spider-Man. Um, he was he was, he was an he incarnation was... of Peter Parker somewhere. He no, he's he's the Insomniac Games Peter Parker Spider-Man. Okay. That makes sense. I I could have sworn he was in one of the cartoons like Spectacular. One of one of the more obs- I was about to say more obscure, but that's actually the one everybody refers to. Um anyway. Um Hudson Lovero, I actually couldn't find anything on. I, I went through IMDB if you want. He's I think he's done some voiceover work for some kid shows. Um Super Wings, he's a character named Jet. Uh Cody on the Bug Diaries and Oh, he was in an episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, okay. Uh a character named Dougie. I think it was just a one off episode, but hey, he was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Right. That's a good show. Yeah, that, like, get that Netflix money. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I should also mention that um, Luca has a younger version of his character, and that is played by Julian Lerner. Mm. Which, again, I, I want to make sure that all of the um, all the child actors involved in the production of Dragon Quest Your Story get some sort of mention and, you know, accolades to say, hey, you you guys are doing a good job. You guys, you guys did very good. You guys did real good. All right. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you start us off? Uh, I'll start off with Al- uh, Alice, who is a very good, spunky adventure boy. He's a very good, spunky adventure boy. I, I like him interacting with his family and Sancho. Who- Sancho's basically family at this point. Who the fuck are we kidding? With Interacting with his family. Um, he kind of just was on his own with Sancho for like several... I think it was eight years trying yeah, to find something that was free his dad from being his stone prison. Which, yeah, no. It's very... He's a very cute little spunky kid. And I like the revelation that he accidentally throws the legendary sword thinking it's not going to work out. And then he does it and it's just like, oh, shit. My kids. And the Dragon Quest theme song's playing in the background. Slow motion pulling the sword out. Oh, it's so good. And I love I love the action scenes that they do with him, too, because he's a small kid who can do some like big moves. And I like 
Although the final action scene at the end of the movie, there's some fantastic choreography in that. Oh my god. This is a gorgeously, like, choreographed film, too. Goddamn. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Hudson Lavero, uh, he does a really great job being this nice little, like, spunky badass kid. And I like how he's goofy with the with his dad when they realize uh drag it uh dr agon where they're like who could have they both said who could have known that dr agon was a dragon this whole time did you and it's like oh see that movie was calling you out roots <laughs> uh, it was calling me out say the wrong i can't it was calling me out too because i didn't realize until after i finished it very tongue-in-cheek no hudson's great um Julian does a pretty great job playing baby Luca. He also does a good job working off of himself with adult Luca, which, yeah, they talk to each other because he travels back to a past to steal his own orb from himself. Which, that's not going to create a time paradox loop. No, no siree. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, the time, the timeline's already plenty messed up, but hey. I actually really like that scene with those two interacting. Julian does a great job sounding like a very cute kid. Cute little spunky kid. Interacts with the friends. He also does a good job with those screams. Like when he's screaming about his dad's death. Like very genuine. No! I'm like, oh. Yeah, no, he did a good job with that. Did pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, Yuri Lowenthal. He's a legend. He's the man, the myth, the legend himself. Uh, he has been in... Yeah, no, he's been in a lot of shit. Like, it's good to see him starring in an anime again. Um, he is very fun character. You see him be this cool, badass hero man. Kind of a dorky gooper sometimes when he gets flustered talking to Nira and realizing his feelings for Bianca. Uh, also, when he's doing the montage, he's like, yeah, I can do it. I can beat the guys. And then he's getting chased out of the desert. This was a terrible idea. I'm no hero. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> he also, yeah, no, he does a great job during the action scenes. Like when you tell he's upset and heartbroken over like his mother's death and when he's pissed at Ladia, ready to fight him. Like, no, he's very convincing throughout the entire thing. He's also very convincing when he realizes his entire life's a lie and he's some guy who got isekai'd into this fictional fantasy video game world. Man, that was... He does a great job with that at the end, too, when he's, like, basically, like, getting screwed over at the end. And he does that whole speech, speech about, this is real. You may not think it's real, but it's real. Yuri Lowenthal does a fantastic job as Luca, which I actually don't think this character is... This character is apparently not actually named Luca. Yeah, it's it's what his human... That's what his human, like, fantasy name is. Uh, hero... Like, there must be a canon name. Okay, the default... Actually, officially, like, all the Dragon Quest heroes... Um, their name is, as Smash Brothers uh, implies, it is localized as Hero. Okay. So... Or Yusha. Yusha, okay. I think, because I think I remember them saying, do you want to pick, uh, Bianca or Yusha? When they're talking about him basically jumping into the game. So, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a fucking wild thing. Yuri Lothal's great actor. 
Uh, he's fantastic, and I love hearing him things. You're a good dude, Yuri. And yeah, you did great with Luca. All of the sides of Luca. Mm -hmm. And that's my piece. Alright, so I'm going to start with um, with the, the child actors. Uh, Julian and Hudson. Um, just basically gonna talk about them real quick. Um, like, not much to Julian's performance. It's just a couple lines in the beginning and then the scene where Luca goes back in time to talk to himself and uh, steal the orb from him. Uh, I, I think he did a really good job. Again, not much to the character, but I, I hope to hear Julian and more things that end up coming our way. Um, Hudson gets a little more to do just because he's the chosen hero and he actually gets to throw the sword into the portal to put an end to things which didn't. It, it almost did. He tried. He put the effort in. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, I think he did a really great job with it. Um, like, he does a lot of... They both do a lot of yelling and screaming and, you know... You know, raucous celebration and all that. Um, yeah, I, I think they did well. And um, so Yuri Lowenthal who you are following throughout the course of this adventure. Um, you are led to believe that he is basically the self-insert. The entire film. Well, like, he is very... Well, I mean... He's very... You're not wrong. <laughs> um, he is very stoic when he first appears. But he also... Like, he also gets these really fun moments of personality. Like, when he... When he's basically slathering himself in shit and dumping himself into a barrel to escape the slave camp. God bless. I I just love that, you know, the monsters are opening up the barrel to see what's inside. Tip it over, and then it's just... They're covered in shit. And Zeno flopped over and basically looking like zombies, and it's, it, it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, it's delightful, scene. Um... But also, like you mentioned, the sort of tangled montage where it's like, yeah, I can do this. I can become the hero. No, I can't become the hero. No, I can't become the hero. What am I doing? Just that wonderful contrast. Um, and slowly growing into emotions as the movie goes along. Um, just because... I think that's sort of one of the ways the movie is hinting at, oh, this is not going to be sort of the full-on adaptation of Dragon Quest V you think it's going to be. Because, you know, you are, you as a player are supposed to insert yourself into the hero. Put whatever aspects of your personality you want in there, you know, that kind of thing. Because it's a JRPG protagonist, and that's how it works. Um, as Luca slowly comes into himself as a character, you are slowly distancing yourself from him, and then you get to the big reveal. And then it's a commentary on that, which I think is cool. But I'll have more thoughts about that. Um, actually, right now. 
as we get into our final thoughts. Mm, okay, let's just go into... So this this is just going to be a basically... Okay, here's what this section is going to be. It's going to be us saying, you know what? This was a pretty good, enjoyable movie. While we are admittedly not huge fans of Dragon Quest, nor have we played the, ga the game this is based off proper to really have a opinion of it, as somebody, even if this is a rushed, like, truncated adaptation, like, I got a pretty good feel for what the majority of the story was. Yeah. I got a pretty good idea of the big uh, story beats, the big things of who these characters were. I thought it was a little strange. I, I watched this on a rewatch, and I finally got, like, the, the literal playing of the original game was supposed to be important for this movie, too, because that was stuff they didn't go into, but... It was like, because they show you uh, him me as a kid, the stuff with his mom getting kidnapped, uh, him meeting Nira for the first time, them going up to Up in Town to fight ghosts and get a dragon orb. Like, that's something they show in the original game before they go into the movie. Which I was neat to see. And that was all in-game footage. It was, yes. Uh, so, as far as my thoughts of the actual movie and the dub... The movie is a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good, like, anime video game adaptation movie that is enjoyable. It's absolutely goddamn drop-dead gorgeous. The dub, it has some quirks here and there, but it's a pretty good dub. It is a pretty good dub that I, I definitely recommend. Even with the thing that this movie has, I could still highly... I could still recommend this, being like, hey, if you're on Netflix and you want to check out something interesting, this movie is definitely worth your time and worth a watch. So let's talk about what this film's thesis is. Here we go. The actual surprise thesis of what this movie is about. This movie is basically commenting on all those who say that, like, video games are nothing. Video games don't mean anything. They're stupid, dumb bullshit. You're just some nerd trying to f capture that, that flame from long ago of boredom it's like it's just a video game who cares it doesn't matter <laughs> oh you're it's basically a commentary of those who are like oh it's just product consume more product consume the product the product doesn't matter you finish product start another product consume product it's like no no the time you spent with these people the time you spent with these characters the time you spent with this world the story the environment that matters. That raises... That helps you, like, expand your mind. Like, I've played these long-term RPGs where I've spent so much time, energy with these people, these characters, their stories, their struggles. Like, how many... Like, even if it wasn't Dragon Quest for you, how many people... Was it Final Fantasy? Was it uh, Chrono Trigger? Was it persona how many of it was any one of those big rpgs that you grew up on where you grew up with these people these characters and found yourself enthralled in this world the thesis of dragon quest your story is saying that matters those stories and those experiences you had with those people and characters they're real they're important cherish them that's what the thesis of this movie is and i wanted your opinion of that roots yeah, um, first of all, getting it out of the way, the, um, the dub itself is very solid, um, like, had a very, it felt 
grandiose, like a um. It it, it felt like an adventure. That level of grandiose, like it felt like the grandiose nature of a um of a Pixar film or uh like a film with a budget that probably you could have you could have produced ten Dragon Quest your stories for what they paid for. Mm. The dub is fun. It is nostalgic of the the 80s fantasy cartoons that you probably grew up with. Um, even if you weren't from the 80s, just catching reruns on, like, UHF stations. The way I did. Let's get to... Like Andrew was getting into, let's get into the, the central core thesis of the film. That comes out of nowhere, and... I actually, as much as I kind of don't like the execution... I think the execution's a little... A little too... Like, the execution's a bit hokey. It's a bit hokey, and it's almost, like, too sudden. And, like, here's the thing. After after they defeat Nimzo, it's almost like it didn't even ha happen. Yeah. I mean, I will say this... Even when you discount the the various times that characters have referred to the quest as, quote-unquote, this time, um, everything that happened in the ending was properly foreshadowed on rewatch. I think there's a few times they foreshadow it. I, it's better on the second time, though I, I'd argue it's still a little maybe too hidden though I, I definitely did notice a couple of things were now that i knew what i was looking for yeah like when uh when luca defeats monsters they basically disappear into data oh i actually did not catch like, that Like that was that was a thing i didn't initially catch on my first watch that upon rewatching, like yeah this is this is a simulation this is a game that makes sense and then all of all the characters who referred to, you know, implying that this had been done in the past. I, I had assumed this was just a um, one of those plot lines where it's just um, let's do a time alternate reality or like a let's do a time warp kind of thing. Either, yeah, either time travel or alternate realities where only a handful of characters were aware of it. Like the idea that like it was a Madoka thing and like. Yeah. Somebody was traveling through all the failed adventures and remembered it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it the whole thing was properly foreshadowed. Um even in little bits the stuff with Gutrude, even though that wasn't quite as strongly. Anyway, I I'm not a fan of how it was executed and but I am a fan of the sheer audacity of doing it. You know what? Yes. Actually, yes. The actual balls to pull this off in the 11th hour. Like, I admire something that fucking crazy. Like, it's so insane batshit what the fuck you were thinking that goes from being... This is a terrible idea to... This is the best idea. 
Like, I, I actually love the ending for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could have just done an end-to-end -end adaptation of Dragon Quest V, and it would have been a great movie. It would have been a pretty okay movie. It would have been a pretty good movie, yeah. I don't think it would have been, like, like stupendous, but it no, would have pretty good. Like, it, it would have been a, a great film that you just sat, watched, and, you know, you probably wouldn't go back to rethinking about it a week later. But the fact that they had the sheer audacity to... To go in and do this batshit crazy twist. God damn. Which is in and of itself a commentary about your experiences. Not just with Dragon Quest, but with really any game you spent a significant amount of childhood with. Like, this could this could have just as easily been a game about Miss Pac-Man. And it would have been the same thing. Hmm. But I also, I also have to appreciate the accidental timing of its release. Hmm? Because this film was released in Japan in August of last year. Okay. And now two months before, we had the big Nintendo Direct that announced not only was... The Dragon Quest Hero coming to Super Smash Brothers, but Banjo Kazooie. Mm. And I remember watching that Nintendo Direct Live. And I remember in the very opening moments of that Direct, when they were revealing Hero, just how many American fans were just like, Yeah, fuck you, Nintendo. Fuck you, Sakurai. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't Banjo. This isn't what we deserve. It's like, it's not about what you fucking deserve. In 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 the core thesis of the ending that, like, all of the experiences you've had with entertainment that felt significant to you were actually significant. Mm -hmm. um, both the reveal of the Dragon Quest hero and Banjo-Kazooie, which are important for... You know, two different gamers in Japan and then gamers in the U.S. and Europe. Which, you know, for sure, as it turned out, there was a lot of crossover appeal for, for both, both. In, Absolutely. in both territories. But it's like the same way it's like their experiences for Dragon Quest S matter. Your experience growing up with Banjo-Kazooie, that also mattered. This world, yeah. this character. All of these things you have played and experienced, all of these treasured memories, they're not just simulated nostalgia. They're important. You grew yeah. up with that. They made your like, days brighter and happier. Like the experience of getting the game from your parents, asking your older brother or sibling to beat a difficult boss for you. Like, these are all valid experiences that have significant nostalgia to them. And it is for that reason that I just absolutely respect the sheer fucking audacity of Dragon Quest Your Story to just, in the 11th hour, flip the script for a message that, yeah, the stuff that you played as a child, all of that is valid. Your memories, your experiences, your time with these worlds and characters, they matter to you. Because that 
is your story. Yeah. Cue the end credits. Da, 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 da. I guess the summation of my thesis of this film is um, even if you don't like the way that it ended and the way that, you know, the writers decided to implement this twist, like, it is a very important message that not just your experiences with some with a piece of entertainment matter, but an interpretation somebody else has of the same material, that is also important. And that is also something you... Like, even if it's an I-don't-like-it kind of deal, like, it's something you should respect because it's... Like, it's just your opinion, man. Ah... <laughs> uh... Thank you. Well said. Well said. <laughs> like, like opinions are opinions, and like pleasant memories that you have might not be the same kind of memories that somebody else has. You know, just be respectful of each other. Don't be a dick on the That's... internet who programs a virus to literally call you a fucking loser. Don't be that guy. I think that's... I think that's the core thesis of this movie, and it's something I can respect. Mm -hmm. So, if you would like to check out Dragon Quest Your Story, um, it is available via Netflix. And this is global Netflix. It's not just like a US-Canada thing. It is everywhere, I believe, including Japan. And I think the the English dub would basically is basically universal with all of these regions. Anyway... Um, I believe it's about 13 bucks a month now, but you probably know somebody who has an account and you can just borrow it. Like, that's a beautiful thing about talking about shows and movies that are on Netflix. You can just ask somebody and they probably have a password they can lend to you. Um, now if you would like to find us, um, you, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast where we post our announcements, sometimes have a, have some anime-related memes to set up, and we try to do cool stuff with it. And we also have a Twitch feed of the same name, where we will occasionally play Jackbox. I think we're also working out some other games that we can play on there. And where you can actually find more episodes with us, in case this is, like, embedded somewhere. Um, you can find us on YouTube at DubTalk Podcast, and we now also have audio-only feeds available via Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hell yeah, we do. So in case you're tired of sitting at your screen for a couple hours, if you want to hear us in your ears as you're going on a run and we're ranting about some anime bullshit and making crude jokes, you can. Um, and of course, we can't do what we do without the support of our patrons mm -hmm. um you guys help make this show what it is and we would like to thank our patrons today uh so at our five dollar tier we have b morris michael nuding michelle travis miraculous corazon and nico robin but with the owie hands mm-hmm <laughs> And at our $10 tier, we have Carly Lessacow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. 
No, I'm Spartacus. Yeah, I am Spartacus. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting the show, being there through thick and thin. We love and appreciate all of you. Your stories matter too. And in the event people would like to follow your story, Andrew, where might they find you? Hi, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. I should probably eventually change the actual at, but at this point, I've got it committed to it. So either way, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. My other podcast gig I do, outside of being a member of the Dub Talk podcast, I am part of uh, Surreal Resolutions Anime News Podcast, Podcast ONA, alongside fellow Dub Talk Podcast alumni, Jet. Nice. Um, and if you would like to follow me, I am on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Uh, mainly just retweet cute animal pics, um, sometimes funny memes and and fandom stuff. Why don't you give me a follow? It's a good time. He's a good boy and simultaneously a mad lad who blind bought Demon Slayer. Oh, I absolutely blind bought Demon Slayer. And it is absolutely worth what I paid. Ah. Uh. I love you, you bastard. You're a good boy. I love to- It's been fun doing this with you too, by the way. It's very- Yeah, no. I'm- I'm glad you agreed to- <laughs> I'm- I'm just glad I didn't have to strap you down to the chair to check this out. No, I was curious. I was curious because I didn't actually look up what the deal with this movie was. I found this out all on my own through watching it for the first time. It was good. Ugh, I'm so glad you went into this blind. You're welcome. Um, yeah, also, I've got some reviews coming up. Um, Dark Russell Age of Resistance and What We Do in the Shadows. I don't know where I'm posting them yet, but when I know, you'll know. Nice. And with that, I think uh, we're good to call it. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us with this one. Um, I, I love talking about... I just love talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Anime movies with you guys and it's summer at the movies has been a really fun experiment to work with for sure thank you for supporting this crazy experiment of ours too expect some more movies in the next coming weeks so with that i would like to wish you all a good evening and otaku on that I lost the tune of this a while ago. <laughs> Otaku on, my friends. Peace. And click. do 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 do
do do do do do do boom boom boop 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 Yes, this club rendition of the Jeopardy theme is gonna be cut in post, but I'm having fun doing it. Do 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 you do do Or will it actually be cut? Oh god. I don't know. I don't know. Alright.